Do you recall a day where everything clicked into place, where the world seemed to move in perfect harmony and every task flowed effortlessly? Introducing you to London Nootropics, adaptogenic coffee blends, thoughtfully crafted to elevate and balance your day, delivering all the perks of your beloved coffee, plus the incredible benefits of adaptogens, which also help to dial down those less than loved side effects like jitters, anxiety, and that all too familiar crash. A premium mix of medicinal mushroom extracts and other potent adaptogens, each blend is targeted for a specific purpose depending on what you need. Flow enhances your mental clarity and focus. Zen is your go-to for stress, relief and balance. And Mojo offers that clean, natural energy lift. It's the synergy between caffeine and adaptogens that works wonders, allowing us to relish the caffeine buzz without the drawbacks, ensuring a smooth, sustained energy flow. My top pick is the Zen Blend. It's a lifesaver for those of us who are caffeine sensitive and not to mention comes in the most charming packaging. So why not elevate your coffee experience with London New Tropics? Discover the perfect blend, find your flow and enjoy an exclusive 20% discount with the code SaturnReturns at LondonNewTropics.com. Hello everyone and welcome to Saturn Returns with me, Kagi Dunlop. This is a podcast that aims to bring clarity during transitional times where there can be confusion and doubt. We did not start the business to make money. We started it because we didn't want anyone to go through what we did or we wanted to help people through that phase. We wanted to be there for them. Sure, there's really tough times and being able to have your friend, a very close friend there to work through it with you, I wouldn't be where I am without Laura. And there's so many times that I think like some of the things, the decisions we've made or the directions we've gone that it just wouldn't have been the same without each of us there. In today's episode of Saturn Returns, I'm joined by the wonderful Steph Claire Smith, who you may be familiar with. She is the original Aussie influencer. She was a very successful model, still is, and now she is an entrepreneur and has her own business with her best friend called Laura, and that is called Kick, so you guys should definitely check it out. And I was so thrilled to have Steph on the show because I fangirled a little bit because I did follow her from the beginning of her journey. For those that know me or listen to the show, you know I'm obsessed with Australia, and so, of course... I was following Steph's journey from down under. That's where she's from. And so it was great to get to have this conversation with her and discuss what life has been like over the last couple of years, navigating, moving through the modeling industry, some of the challenges with that, and then building this platform and this community and turning it into a really successful business. I always love to hear about female founders and the sort of challenges they've faced and the obstacles that they've overcome. And also what I found really interesting about her story was navigating, managing motherhood with the sort of really crucial stages of building her business. And obviously she came over to London to record this, so she had to be away from her family, which, you know, she discussed was slightly challenging. But I um, felt very inspired by it, by both of the girls, by her and Laura, who's her best friend that she runs Kick with. So I hope this inspires you guys to start your own thing and you find this conversation useful. Welcome to the Saturn Returns podcast. It's such a pleasure to have you. Thank you. You've come, well, you're over from Australia. I've followed your journey for a while. So welcome to London. But for our audience that doesn't know, would you be able to 
kind of start us off with where this whole journey began for you and a bit about yourself. Yeah, of course. Um, so my name's Steph. I grew up in Melbourne, Australia. Um, bit of background on my upbringing. Um, very sporty, very confident, loud child. Both my parents are originally from the UK, so I really come here quite a bit. Um, very lucky to have. Um, and it always feels like home when I come and visit because I've got family around, so it's um, it's nice to be here. Um, and then when school was finishing up, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I was never a super academic kid. So, you know, striving for a high score and then trying to get into a uni, that, that just wasn't on my mind. Um, but I didn't quite know what my future was going to hold. But one thing that I did have a lot of interest in was modelling. And I'd always been like into drama and dancing and singing and being in front of a camera very confident kid and so when I realized I wasn't a good dancer or a good singer <laughs> or I didn't really ever try acting I was like well maybe I'll try modeling um and my kind of deal with my parents was you know when I finish up school I'll give it a crack and I'll have a, another job on the side and I'll talk to my friends who have started all different uni degrees and stuff like that and just work out what sounds good or what I might be interested in and originally I thought maybe it would be primary school teaching. I love kids, um, maybe a PE teacher, I loved sport. Um, but modelling took off for me and it was around that time as well, which was 2011. Um, I think by the end of 2012, I think I had about 150,000 followers on Instagram. Which at the time, like, you at the were time. one of the first. And I think I actually have followed your journey from the very beginning <laughs> because nice. I remember... Like seeing that kind of space and like the wellness mm. and but anyway, carry on. So yeah. that was yeah, you were one of the first <laughs> in that space. So congratulations on that. Well, thanks. I mean, it's just it's really just timing, and it's it's quite wild because it's it's so different now. Like growing a profile in a community now is very different to how it was back then. Did it just happen very naturally? organically? Yeah, for sure. I was really excited to be sharing my life that I found very exciting, and at the at first it was just for my friends and family to keep up with because modeling was going well, and I was having these amazing opportunities to go overseas and travel and everything. And I was like 18, 19 at the time. Um, and then I think when I moved to New York and LA for about a year, I was 20. And that's when my kind of global following started to um, grow a lot as well. And that was very weird for me being in New York. And I remember one day in particular, I had five different people come up to me within one day. And some of them were locals. Some of them were from like South Africa and and England and everything just in New York on a holiday and I just was like this is wild this is weird I didn't this is just so odd but the way it happened was I was sharing a lot of my um, my life and my fitness activity and a lot of big fitness accounts started to repost a lot of my mm -hmm. content and so that's how the following started um, and it was around the same time in 2019 when I met my now best friend and business partner Laura we were both modeling at the time and um, just started one of those friendships where you feel like you've known the person your whole life and bonded on so many things and was this what were you living this was in melbourne so in melbourne okay. but then after we met shortly after we met we both did kind of stints overseas um so then i lived in new york and we stayed in touch and then came back home to melbourne and we just had so much to, that we related to with our experiences and in the modeling industry. in the modeling industry particularly and also at that point we'd both built an online community and with that comes like a lot of external pressures and judgment and everything um what online. was some of that like at that time because obviously you were incredibly young yes you don't really Very know who influenced. you are as a, as a person <laughs> not at all and then suddenly you have this global yeah. audience of people was yeah. it 
what kind of were some of the struggles that you experienced at that time? I think because for me at the time, my biggest goal was to succeed as a model. The hardest thing that I struggled with at the time was when people would judge me on my appearance or Mm -hmm. like pull me down or, you know, start threads saying like that there was no way I was going to be successful because I was, I don't know, too big or didn't look like a model, all these different things, which now I look back and I couldn't care less about. But at the time it really bothered me because I was like, this is what I want to do. And um, I was very, very insecure, I suppose, in that way. And when I was living in New York and particularly the the judgment and that kind of pressure didn't just come from my online community or not my community. <laughs> they were always lovely. The, um, the ones that don't actually follow um, was from my agency in New York. So they put a lot of pressure on me to be smaller than I was. I was 10 kilos lighter than I am today and it wasn't small enough for them. And again, I was just in this phase of my life where I really wanted to make it work and I wanted to go back home with this like success story that I'd like made it overseas um and so I was just going to do whatever they said to try that and I became obsessed with everything that entered my mouth like food wise just restricted myself from so many foods that I'd grown up loving and never had a problem with I started to like make up intolerances in my head just so that I could like have an excuse to avoid certain things um and that restriction only led me to overeat a lot of the stuff that Mm -hmm. I would then allow myself to have and of course I would end up binge eating and then that pattern would result in me feeling absolutely full and sick at the end of the day and a lot a lot of the time I would either just sit in that feeling um and just feel I mean near on depressed like crying myself to sleep every night and I was living alone in a studio apartment in New York away from my friends and family it's very isolating um and then some nights it would even result in making myself sick um And it took me a while to realize how wrong the pattern was. Um, But once I did and I kind of admitted to myself that I wasn't going to be able to sustain this and I was losing who I was, like I was losing that confidence and that energy and that bubbliness, Um, I was becoming more and more insecure the skinnier I was getting. Mm -hmm. Um, And it took coming home, surrounding myself with friends and family and talking about it, being open about it, and I ended up, I, I bonded with a personal trainer actually because I feel like the, f- the first person I opened up to wasn't a close friend or a family member. It was this PT yeah. who I knew had helped other girls through similar issues. Um, and I think it was just because I, I thought if I told my mom or if I told a friend, they just wouldn't get it or they, they couldn't relate to me. And they'd obviously always be their support, but support, but they might not necessarily know what to say or do. Mm-hmm. Um, so and it was quite interesting. From- from that period living in New York to then going home, how long was that? I was overseas for about 10 months. Okay. Um, so it was the best part of a year that you were going through that on yeah, your own, really? Yes, yeah. And I like to say that, I mean, I, I wish I could say that as soon as I came home, it all got better. But those habits and those thoughts and those like feelings of guilt around food or missing a day of exercise or whatever, um, or the obsession of like trying to look a certain way, that took years to kind of train my mind away from that they do linger and um and it's not to say that they don't ever pop back up nowadays even but I've got to a point now where I have such a beautiful relationship with my body that my why for you know eating the way I do or moving my body the way I do is not anymore tied to my weight or a certain measurement or anything like that it's it's 
because I know it brings me energy and joy and I can keep up with my son that I have to run off to now. Um, so I think, yeah, reframing that has helped immensely. So when those insecurities do come up, they're quicker to squash you know because it doesn't really matter. Them. Yeah. When you got back to Australia then, mm. was that a difficult thing? Did you go back feeling like, like what was that process like? Because I know when you have lived abroad and you, yeah. like you say, you put all this pressure on yeah. yourself that really is just coming from you, no one else like mm. minds as much or they just want yeah. you to be happy. So what was that like transitioning back home? It was hard because I didn't have like the story that I wanted to share when I got back home. Like I would have people asking me who I worked for when I was over there or what jobs I did. And I was like, I didn't really work that much. Like I was very, very fortunate within that year. I had a few clients back at home that I was in contracts with. So I was still... Working. having some sort of work even though I wasn't you know shooting every week or anything like that so yeah it was a very quiet I think year of actual paid work um outside of those contracts so it was really that was really hard for me because I kind of had to admit to some people that I didn't really get much work like there was a couple of jobs and they were great and I met some great people but yeah it was that pressure from the agency trying I think they were just trying to make me someone that I wasn't yeah. And it's funny because when I reflect back in that time, I think that I was really, really lost and I wasn't myself. But then it wasn't that long ago, I was searching back through some of those emails just to, I don't know why, mm. but revisit how I was feeling at that time. And I looked at some of the conversations I was having between myself and that agency. And I realized there was a point in my trip, which was right towards the end, that it was like almost like I just had had, had enough. And I'd like realized that they just weren't, wanting me a part of their book basically and so I started to speak back to them a little bit and I was like I understand that I might not be the right measurements at this point for you to like represent me or whatever but like is there any hair clients or like I don't know yeah. freaking hand model I'm happy to do like anything or like surely there's some someone that's okay with yeah. my size like I was very I was very commercial but it was almost like they were wanting me to fit into this runway figure which I just wasn't I wasn't even interested in anyway but yeah so I started to push back which they didn't really respond well to. But my agent at home helped me get out of that contract and I ended up just getting to a point I did re-sign with a new agency who were a lot more welcoming and kind of like, they were pretty honest at the upfront. Like they said, look, we don't want you to change, but if we get 10 clients coming back to us and it's like a repeat mm -hmm. pattern of like one particular thing, then we'll bring it up with you. But we think you're great. Like, so I felt more comfortable signing with them, but I was only really there for another month and then I was ready to go home. Pausing this for a moment because I've got something exciting to share. Today's episode is brought to you by London Nootropics, the masters of crafting adaptogenic coffee blends that don't just taste heavenly, but they also boost your energy the right way. Now we all love that zesty kick from caffeine. It snaps us awake by outsmarting those sleepy adenosine receptors in our brain. But here's the kicker. Caffeine can hike up our cortisol, giving us the jitters or anxiety, particularly if you're like me and caffeine sensitive. But that's where the magic of adaptogen steps in. These natural heroes level out our cortisol, smoothing the energy boost from caffeine without the downsides. Plus, while caffeine tends to rush in and fade away, leaving you crashing, adaptogens extend that energy, keeping you vibrant without reaching for another cup. So if you want to find your most productive self with Lion's Mane and Rhodiola in their flow blend, Cordyceps in Mojo is known to increase our aerobic capacity, oxygen flow and boost ATP. So it's perfect before a run or workout or when you're feeling fatigued. 
So if you're intrigued and you want to dive deeper into their blend secrets and discover which adaptogens sync with you, try visiting their website. And because you're part of the Saturn Returns family, enjoy a special 20% off at London Nootropics Adaptogenic Coffee with the code Saturn Returns. Enjoy. Do you feel like looking back, because you mentioned that, you know, you went through those emails and I had a similar experience recently and I feel that we all are quite guilty of looking through this lens of thinking that we didn't know anything or that we weren't (laughs) trying hard enough. And like, I'm so harsh on the younger versions of myself Mm. and I, you know, can relate to a lot of what you're talking about when I moved to LA and had kind of similar experiences and felt that pressure. Mm. And look back so harshly on myself. And the way I talk about myself at that time is really unfair. And I found some stuff recently and I was like, maybe I did know. But it's just, it's the reality is it's just tough navigating the world when you're a young adult and Mm. you're trying to figure out who you are and get people to take you seriously and find the places that you fit without having to mold yourself into any kind of way. So I can very much relate to that. And then when you were back home, because mm. you've built a fantastic business, so I really want to kind of get into like yeah. where that all began to take off. Because yeah. at this moment in time, you had the online presence developing, yeah. yet you were having this experience in New York and yeah. there was this sort of like, uh, I don't want to say conflict, but now those things mm. would be working so well together and they do for you. Mm. But at the time, it sounds like there was, they hadn't quite met each other yeah so when I got home uh Laura and I reconnected and it was the t- at the time we were both getting work with other brands online yeah. and repeat work so we we understood that our community was responding really well to who we were working with and that was a bit of an eye-opener for the both of us because we realized we've got a really big responsibility here with this this following that we've grown and that sounds silly to, to think back to because I'm like how would you have not thought like this is a really big responsibility but I think in the early days yeah you just didn't really think about it it was yeah. like just a number it was so new as well yeah yeah and then I think when we realized that we were like well hang on we connected with this community we realized that when we started to open up about some of these struggles that we had that we were absolutely not alone we both also related to the fact that we grew up in households that didn't have that pressure and we had a really beautiful relationship with food and exercise growing up and yet we still you know fell down that path Mm -hmm. whereas like it's happening earlier and earlier and younger and younger so like what can we do to put something out there because at the time what was out there when it came to like health and fitness and wellness in 2015 it was very much either you know your your low calorie boiled chicken and broccoli fitness Mm -hmm. you know high protein stuff or it was wellness was very inaccessible. Like you had to spend $200 at a health food store to make one brownie. Um, and it tasted like dirt or beetroot. Um, it was very like organic, organic or just fitness. It was kind of nothing that reminded us of our childhood that was just making food, just gen- like normal food with normal ingredients, going to the supermarket somewhere accessible, not having to spend a lot of money, but still classifying that as health. We felt like there was a bit of gap. So we created an, an ebook which at the time were really big and new and exciting. Um, and we Googled how to do it because we had no idea. Um, we ended up getting a friend of mine who had just started his uni degree in design to mock it up for us. A few brands that we were already working with, we got them to jump on board um, like and collaborate. So they were ingredients within our methods and everything like that um to to basically start it off. So they paid it's very for entrepreneurial, it. <laughs> it's still like at such a young age, you know. Yeah. 
it's fun. It is. It is fun. And to your point earlier, I think often we do think back to that point and we laugh at some of the decisions we made or anything like that. But we really did. We actually had a bit more of an idea than we give ourselves yeah. credit for. <laughs> um, so we started with that. You've come. Yeah, yeah, and it's it was amazing. I mean, we didn't put it out there to to start this like full business. We never would have imagined that it has grown to what it is. But what we saw very quickly was the response from our community was amazing, and they just wanted more and. Um, and we also just felt hungry to help them in other ways and just wanted to, yeah, do more with it. So from there, um, after the ebook, we had a website that was a black, kind of like a blog, but a subscription blog, which was about $7 a month. And there was one workout and three recipes per month. And the workouts would be made. We had a lot of friends in the industry, so maybe a Pilates trainer or a strength trainer, and they'd put together this workout for us and we'd film each little clip and upload it to YouTube and link it through this blog. And it was, yeah, very um, scrappy, but awesome, an awesome start. And people subscribed and that community continued to grow. And then we were approached by another company and we started a program, which was a web platform that you could use on your phone and that was like workouts every day recipes meditations and we worked with them but we were kind of more of the talent in that process and I think through that process um, we both realized that this was something that we really really wanted to put all our eggs in because at the time I was still modeling quite a bit Mm -hmm. um, and we both had a lot of relationships with other brands and stuff and we kind of realized that we were very very in touch with this community and I just wanted to do more and we didn't want to just be the talent we wanted to yeah you know be a part of the marketing plan or like know what content we're going to put in or you know we wanted to build an app which at the time was we couldn't do that through that company and well when you build a community like that it's mm. so personal it is you yeah know? so you can't and you said that you never knew that it was gonna become <laughs> what it has become yeah. but I think the the best stories and the most successful businesses off they don't start out like oh I'm gonna build this global empire it starts from a place of authenticity because you really care about your community and want to connect with them and the sort of mission statement which you know you've defined when did you decide that because shifting obviously you were doing so well in modeling then kind of being like okay we're actually going to put all our eggs in this basket yeah what was that like because obviously for both of you to make that decision is huge and it is regardless of the community like starting a business is terrifying yeah and I think a lot of people especially people listening to this might Mm. be wanting to do something like that but are just Mm. a little bit scared to take that step so what was that sort of thing yeah for sure I mean we balanced we we both still balanced a bit of modeling on the outside for the first part of it because we didn't take any money out of the business mm-hmm. for the first part of it. We just would put everything back in to continue to grow it. So that's the really scary thing about starting a business is for a lot of people, they've got to make that decision and, and everyone's position is going to be very, very different. With modeling, you're really fortunate to get paid quite a lot of money for, you know, one day of work. And you've got a lot of free time around exactly. it. Exactly. So it was actually really good to manage both in the beginning. Mm. And it was only really when the team started to grow and um, yeah, the workload was a lot more that we then had to find a balance that worked. We still kept doing it and I mean, we still have partnerships, um, but more often now it's partnerships that make sense for the brand as well. And it's been a really great way to expand our community because we work with other brands that 
um, have really like-minded, you know, people within their community and then they want to know about kick and maybe our community want to know about what they have to offer. So it's still been really important to us to continue to kind of nurture a lot of those relationships outside of kick within our own personal brands. But yeah, it's just, it was more of like, for me personally, I, I, I loved modeling. I mean, I definitely had a love-hate relationship with it because it was one of the lowest points of my life was to do with the modeling industry. But I also have a lot of respect for my journey, I think. Like I wouldn't be where I am today without going through that. I wouldn't have the connections. I wouldn't have the world experiences that I had without it. Um, I think I grew up a lot by being in the industry. So I still have this soft spot for it, I think. However, it wasn't as rewarding as it was in the beginning. And the work that we were doing with Kick, you know, actually changing people's lives and changing the relationship they have with with health and themselves, more importantly, that was more rewarding than anything like modeling ever gave me. So it was connecting with that community that really just kind of put the fire in our bellies to go all in. And if there yeah. was one thing that you feel your community, like a, a through line of what they have mm. messaged you about mm-hmm. or a struggle that it, they experience, what would you say that one thing would be? Probably that it's for the first time they've been able to find something that's helped them live a healthy life that they can actually sustain. So mm-hmm. they might have tried challenges before, they might have tried other programs, they might have tried you know different trends and diet trends and stuff but they've never felt happy doing it they've never been able to sustain it because it was too restrictive and kick has been this community that they've felt supported and encouraged to define it for themselves you know some people in the community work out in their bedroom in their pajamas three days a week and cook some of the recipes with their family throughout the week and that makes them feel really really good and that's how they've defined healthy for them Others, you know, are following a run program and then and then partnering it with with the Pilates offering that we have. And so then they're working out five, six days a week and that really works for them in their lifestyle. And we're kind of just there with the tools to help educate them, but also just inspire them to find what works for them and not worry too much about what anyone else is doing. Because the comparison trap, like, I mean, in life in general is, is horrible and we all fall into it. But when it comes to the fitness industry and and diet industry and all that sort of stuff comparison trap is is difficult because you think that you could look at someone follow the same diet as them do the same exercise routine and then you'll look like them but of course you won't so that's why i find sometimes online it can be dangerous with these what i eat in a day like my workout routine because you know how accurate it is who knows but also it's not necessarily going to work for everybody no and and that's definitely something that we've grown through as well like we we used to I mean we've done media for a long long time but we used to answer those things in in articles you know three four five years ago but then it got to a point where 100 we realized that exact same thing that this was a my weeks are different all the time yeah. or my days are different all the time but b it's we didn't really like the feeling of what we were putting out there and so even in our in our um, app at the moment, we've got a meal guide that has been written by our dietitian, um, and it's more it's it's a guide. It's not a plan. It's not you know. It, it's really just like if someone has absolutely no idea how to where to even begin with what's a good balanced breakfast, lunch, and dinner. There's a guide there, but in no way is it you know this is what you follow and you'll get X result. And in terms of building a business the creator economy is something that's becoming more popular and people are kind of like oh actually I have this audience Mm. I can create something direct to the customer to the audience 
moving away from working with brands and like getting that kind of fulfillment but what were some of the obstacles you faced as you went from that transition because obviously it's very different when you're putting up stuff sharing things about your life but there's no pressure to monetize that or anything and you're working with brands so that's supporting you in that way Mm. but then sounds like you kind of moved more away from that Mm. and to creating your own business what were some of the yeah the obstacles in that transition I think in my own mind just it it sounds weird but trying to be aware of like the best way to do this organically and I mean it ended up being easier with less thought to it because we truly live and breathe the brand. Like I use the app every day, whether it's for a workout, meditation or a recipe, like I am in there every day. So it became very easy to want to talk about it because I used it. But at the start, I think I was scared that it was like, are people going to be like, oh, she's just, you know, selling her own product to me and everything like that. It's difficult to make that shift when you've never done it before. Yeah. Yeah. But um, they responded well and I think you can tell. I think you can tell when someone is trying to promote or sell you something that they wouldn't use or, yeah, you know, I think people are starting to get it and are being a bit smarter with it. And, I mean, we were doing that as well before we even had Kick with the brands that we were working with. It was really only that first year of having a following that I'd be like, oh, my God, I got a free thing. Like, look at this. It's so great. And, like, sell it absolutely anything. Then you realize the responsibility that you had. So even with the brands that we were working with, it was like, do we genuinely love this brand? Does it do good? Like, someone is going to buy this. Are you comfortable with that? You know, feeling that responsibility of the influence that we have. You had to be aware of that. And with Kick, we know it does good. We know it does amazing things for people. So we feel incredibly comfortable talking about it. But yeah, it is, it is a, it's a funny shift. And working with one of your best friends, mm. what's that been like? Because business can mm. be quite lonely. So I'm sure it's really nice to have someone to go through all those experiences with. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's funny because when we, when we first went into business together, a lot of people were like, you shouldn't go into business yeah. with your best friend or a loved one. You just shouldn't do it. And I understand why, but I think because... Laura and I were so connected with the mission and like why and what we were doing. And that was like the biggest thing that mattered for us. We did not start the business to make money or anything like that. We started it because we didn't want anyone to go through what we did or we wanted to help people through that phase. We wanted to be there for them. And I think because that's been our main driver and still is to this day, sure, there's some difficult decisions we have to make in the business, but it all comes back to that. Mm -hmm. And because we're aligned on that, it's worked. And keeping like really open communication as well the entire time has been really important. And I think where the benefit is, is absolutely there's really tough times and being able to have your friend, a very close friend there to work through it with you. You know, there's always one of us that is probably struggling a little bit more than the other and you just kind of pull the other person. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And it's been, it's been amazing. I absolutely couldn't be like it wouldn't exist where it is without that friendship as well and I just I wouldn't be where I am without Laura and there's so many times that I think like some of the things the decisions we've made or the directions we've gone that it just wouldn't have been the same without each of us there it's hard to describe but it's worked for us like it's it's, it is something that can work I think if you go into business though and you have different ideas of why like if one of you maybe is going in for success and money and all that and the other is a little bit more attached to the emotion and 
then I can see definitely that there would be hard roads that you would have huge disagreements. But we haven't had that because... I guess that's a big part, but then also balancing not just the responsibilities, Mm. but you need a different set of skills that flatter each other, especially at the beginning when you are wearing every hat. Yeah. You know, (laughs) when you start up a business, you are the CEO and like the coffee maker. Yeah, customer service. Yeah, doing all the things. (laughs) So what was that like? And then what was the process like of growing and scaling when you didn't, you were a creator, you didn't really have that education I presume oh my god absolutely not I didn't I didn't study business or anything like that um because I think people find that daunting yeah. especially women because we're not as good as talking about it or networking yeah. historically so then I think people feel oh well I didn't study that so I couldn't possibly yeah oh and I will admit I'm the, the first to admit that I still have those moments of self-doubt to this day because I, I think when I was growing up, I was always told that I was, you know, a sporty, creative. I wasn't academic. I was yeah. dumb. You know, teachers would tell me I was going nowhere. And if I even mentioned the word modeling, people were like, well, she's going to literally have no future. Um, <laughs> so I think I just had this like ceiling put on me to never assume that I was an intelligent person. Um, and I never would have imagined myself even working in an office, let alone having a team. So definitely those those doubts and insecurities still come up to this day but I think it's also really special the way that we've been able to complement each other in in our skill sets because I would say Laura is more academic she's incredibly intelligent and when we when we think about like organizational skills and and all of that even she, she studied law so her background in that is just amazing and the work ethic that comes from that is amazing and so often I think this is another thing that comes up a lot when you work with your best friend is people ask you about comparison between the two of you. I think particularly when it's like two women because mm-hmm. unfortunately that's something that we do. But I think because we have so much respect and love for each other and we've now come to a place where we have clearly identified those different strengths that we see the value in the both of us. And we know it wouldn't work if we both had the same set of strengths like it would that would be a lot more challenging I think being able to work out how to balance this and who's kind of responsible for what if you were both really good at the exact same things so it's worked out for our benefit I think and again I think it's just about anytime I'm feeling that doubt she's my biggest cheerleader and vice versa yeah and Laura and I we never pretend we're the smartest person in the room like we're the first to admit that we're not and we love surrounding ourselves with people that do have more experience or know more and constantly reach out to like new mentors or um, advisors in different ways. We find that quite inspiring. And um, for the both of us, it's just, we just know that we're both on this journey together and we're not, we're not going to get everything right. But what we've learned is that as long as we can pick ourselves back up and work through it, then we've learned something. Yeah. And that's only going to benefit us. I've actually met a lot of people that are working together recently that are either husband and wife, boyfriend Mm. and girlfriend, uh, family members I haven't met best friends that mm. are working together so this is the first but it's quite interesting because there's obviously a through line because there's that mm. level of trust and respect yeah. and I guess you've got to have boundaries but fundamentally like the friendship comes first yeah. and you can support each other in a way that perhaps otherwise you wouldn't be able to but mm. you mentioned a second ago about you know having those doubts and mm. having you know when you were younger that you felt like you were limited in some way because of what people might have said at school what do you do to manage that doubt because I think you know we all experience it in varying degrees but 
sometimes it can be so powerful that it stops us from doing the thing. So Mm. how do you combat that? For me, it's just focusing on the things that I have done well or complimenting the things that I do know I'm good at or, you know, honestly jumping in the community and just reading different success stories and stuff from the product we've created. That's the biggest confidence just booster. the best affirmation of it, yeah. <laughs> the best. So, yeah, I think often testimonials from customers is the, the best way to go. Um, but, yeah, for me it's just like I have to almost smack myself out of it. It's like, sure, you're not that good at these things. Is it something that you really truly want to invest a lot of time in and get better and get better at? Or in your role, is it actually that necessary to be the best at that? Can you give us no? an example of what that thing might be? Okay, so for one, I have never been a numbers person. Yeah, me neither. Like it's like gibberish to me. <laughs> no, how, no matter how many times I've explained it, it's still like gibberish to me. And I, there's certain numbers that I have to be across and that, that, I, that I do love and, and like to have that knowledge of, particularly because I work a lot on the actual product. So mm-hmm. um, learning a lot about, you know, usage in the app and like what people are loving and liking. It obviously lets us know like what features we should do or what content we should release and um, what we shouldn't. <laughs> so that's great. But yeah, when it comes to like, say our, our finances and stuff like that, I'm, I'm in the meetings and I've got my head across it enough, but it is not something that even when I was younger, I was just, I could have had it. I had a tutor actually, <laughs> it still didn't help me. It's just something that does not compute, does not stay in my brain. Um, and so that's something that I'm across, but I have, I'm so lucky that I have my best friend who is more across it, um, working so close with our CFO. And there's just, yeah, this this trust there. I'm across it, but I don't have to understand it the way that she does. And she doesn't put that pressure on me either to understand it the way she does. I mean, she explains things to me and makes it easier for me to understand, which I'm so grateful for. But yeah, it's not like she's turned around and be like, you need to be able to do yeah. this. <laughs> which I think, again, is something that a lot of entrepreneurs or people that want to start a business mm fall into is thinking that they have to learn or understand all yeah. these things or they will fail and yeah. I think the failing comes from trying to be, to a, be the best at everything exactly. I think you need to have it definitely especially when you have to wear a lot of different hats you have to have an understanding of and it's of good everything. to learn it's at good the to beginning because I think often with you know modeling industry or those yeah. creative ones especially they are orchestrated to a degree in a way where the talent doesn't know what's going on. And it often gets them in a lot of trouble down the line because they don't understand their own finances or the way the business runs. Mm -hmm. And so they can't really expand beyond that and it kind of limits them. But at the same time, it's about learning enough so you know what's going on, but then knowing when to delegate. Yes, yeah, exactly. And what's that been like for you too as business partners, as you grow as a company Mm. without necessarily having... Because I doubt, I mean, you mentioned mentors, but I doubt you have many people that have done this path before because it's such a new one. Yeah, it's, it is, it's really interesting because when you try and find someone with, you know, over 10 years experience, they've Mm. got the, I suppose, lived experience in, in the business world and they can definitely give us some incredible advice. But when it comes to our journey and our particular product and what we're doing, you, you are right, it is. I suppose newer than that and um so it's it's been an interesting balance but it's not tried and tested no no and I think they're all very honest with that as well like they'll they'll give us advice on what they can but then they'll be like also you've got to just learn by giving it a crack and not being scared to fail and um I think just being in touch with our community has helped us made some of the biggest decisions ever 
because we are so in tune with what they want from us and what direction we're going because at the end of the day it's all for them and if we don't have them at the front of our minds um and not just them but also the wider community of who we'd love to you know reach then who who are we doing it for what do you feel that you were naive about well I think just neither of us have tech backgrounds and when we were doing a tech company yeah yeah. we we launched an app and like had a tech company so it's just like I don't think that really (laughs) computed either which can be one of the advantages of when things don't you're like yeah but actually computer that I wouldn't have started no (laughs) but it is really interesting too because I think in ways that has actually gone in our favor totally. we've worked with some you know we've got some incredible people in our product team at the moment and they've worked with founders of tech businesses who have you know incredibly strong tech backgrounds and they find it really hard to let go of you know the reins or control of a lot of the product which they for have us, to for which they to have to yeah. if you want to expand and grow and for us it's like because communities first mm. we uh, are there to reflect what we believe is the right direction and and strategize with the team but we're not pretending for a second that we know more about you know what a feature should be like or you know anything to do with the product we're not there for a second trying to be too controlling on that or the processes that need to be in place to make that work we can challenge them but at the end of the day we've brought them in as the expertise and so I think how did you discern what to do as mm, these things were happening if you you know didn't have the language around it didn't really know the difference Mm. what were there a lot of mistakes that were made or was it kind of trial and error yeah and it's I think we're really fortunate when we first launched the app so we were working we didn't have our dev team Mm in-house but we were very in touch with that team so we were starting to learn then but it wasn't really until we had them in-house and understood that there was a lot to the decision making of things and the trying and testing and processes that like we hadn't seen before. Um, so that was really difficult, but also really hard to compare because um, we didn't we didn't know like how quickly things should happen or, um, for example, the dev team we worked with prior, they were pretty quick at making things happen. But when we unraveled it all, it, it wasn't necessarily the most sustainable feature that was put in. Um, and so then we got this new team that had a new way of working and then obviously as a marketing and creative team who want things quickly and want to put things out there, we didn't quite understand the deeper build of things and the lingo, like I'm still learning and I still don't get it. But I think when you have a good team and they try and, you know, have it as the best way to explain things to you and they understand that, um, that they need to explain it to you in a different way then they will. And they respect that we know our customer and community, um, better than they do and that there's this like mutual respect of being able to work together perfectly to then bring these features out or these updates out and we don't know really um I mean we go through obviously there's a lot of research we do customer surveys and research and reaching out to the community and understanding how they like to use the product and then we can also see different things like you know what classes are taken up the most and everything like that we can get all that data and that gives us the information to then you know, direct us to the next steps. But really until something's like in the app and we're testing it with a group of people or, you know, a percentage of our users, we won't know if it's like mm-hmm. 100% going to be, you know, this amazing thing. You've just got to trial it. Yeah, and because how many people are in the company now? We've got 20 people in our team. Yeah. Seriously impressive. <laughs> and you've also got a young child. So yeah. how, what was that like kind of, you know, because a 
business is a baby yeah. Yeah. when it's your own, especially yeah. when you've built it from your community that's so important to you. Mm. What was that like managing those things? Because I feel for a lot of women around, because how old are you now? I'm 29. You're 29, wow. So you're going through your Saturn return probably. <laughs> we'll get into in a sec. But for, you know, for women your age, my age, I think there is this huge amount of pressure to wear all the hats in the do it all do it all yeah because a lot of the responsibility they feel falls on them to mm-hmm. kind of be at home being yeah. a mother then doing work as well like what has that been like because obviously that's changed your life mm. in a whole different way mm. it's been a really interesting journey I think I knew from a very very young age that I wanted to be a mum more than anything really in life like I I, I knew I was going to love it um, but I think then having him made me realize I probably didn't even know how strong, like it's, it's only increased, like the amount of joy he brings me and fulfillment he brings me in being his mum um, is just kind of, I can't describe it, but where Can that challenge is. Can you try and describe well, it? Well, he's like, really he's another limb, like he's just, everything just revolves around him I don't, my life and I'm okay with it it's this and weird you, like you knew that you'd be like that or you didn't know to this I knew I was gonna like it and yeah. I knew I wanted it but I just didn't think I'd be so comfortable with my life it sounds really selfish but revolving around someone else yeah no I'm with you I'm with um, you I'm quite a selfish <laughs> person I'm like but I see, I don't, I don't when see, I see people I'm yeah. like God, yeah. everything then does yeah, revolve it does. around it does and I I, I'm, I'm, I'm all for people being selfish. I do not see selfish as a negative thing. And I try still to, to be selfish in ways that I can because I think it's really important that you prioritize, that you yourself, prioritize yeah. yourself. Absolutely. Um, and I, I, I do that because if I don't, I'm, you know, my glass won't be full for him as well. So it's been really interesting then balancing that with my first baby being kick because it brings me so much fulfillment and joy as well. So, and I'm fortunate to say that, you know, mm-hmm. because for a lot of women who you know become mothers i mean some don't have even an option they have to go back to work and and i feel for those that that do and then don't enjoy what they do mm-hmm. like yeah. i couldn't even imagine because i've found it challenging but i love what i do mm-hmm. so i just try and look at it in a way that i'm i'm so lucky that what i am balancing motherhood with when it does come to work is something that still brings me so much fulfillment and joy but also i truly believe where making such a positive impact on the world that it's only going to improve his world too. And so it's still somewhat in my mind revolving around him, which makes me a little bit more comfortable. <laughs> but it, <laughs> it is on, on a more practical yeah. level, like actually just managing your yeah. time. How yeah. has that been? My uh, husband's a stay-at-home dad um, and he loves it. And if you don't I mind me asking, it. what was that conversation like getting to that? Was it something that was before the baby came that you were like yeah. right this yeah so it was in the middle of covid we were in lockdown we had made a decision we were both part of another business we'd made the decision to exit that business um just because kick was taking off and lives were getting busy and we were trying to imagine what having harvey my son in the picture was going to do to it and it was just a bit too much and um we also just weren't in it anymore mm-hmm. in our heart and i think through working through kick i've realized the difference in working on a business that you actually love versus you know something you're, just like, something yeah. you're a part of um 
so we made that decision, which obviously freed up a lot of his time because that was his full-time thing at the time. Um, and there were some other things he was working on the side, but it was very manageable with the idea of being a stay-at-home dad. And, and even when Harvey was first born within that first period, um, everyone was at home. Like we were in lockdown. Yeah. So even if he was kind of working, he still would have been around. But what it meant was that when I was going back into more of a, um, I suppose, full-time like position in the office, um, I felt really comfortable because Harvey had grown up really close spending time with the both of us. And so mm -hmm. I knew like, it, of course, it toyed with my heartstrings leaving him, but he was with his dad and I felt really comfortable with that. And it's not to say that I wouldn't have felt comfortable sending him to daycare. My, lots of my friends did that. Um, but Josh just was loving it and it just was working really well for us. And it was a pretty easy conversation. And I think because of kick and how well it was doing and how much I was not ready to, you know, step back from yeah. it or anything, because there's just so much we want to do. Um, it was a pretty easy conversation. And I think what I, what I loved about that conversation and what I love about our relationship in general is genders are removed from, you know, anything when it comes to responsibilities around the house or like what we do. Um, it's just like, they're just open conversations, which I think everyone should have. And you've just got to make the decision that makes sense for your family. And that's what made sense for us. Because you guys have been together for a really, yeah. really long. When did you meet? Well, I met him when I was 12 and I had a crush oh on him. Oh my God, no. <laughs> had a crush on I him since I was 12. I didn't realise that long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, very, very close. His younger sister, actually, I was friends with first and she now works with us at Kick. Oh, so she runs so our nice. social media. And we met first and then I was introduced to his family and we had holiday houses close by. So we spent most weekends together for the my teenage years. Um, and had he was a crush. your first crush. Yeah. Well, he was the crush that just lingered. You know, yeah. I had dated other boys, but he was always there. Um, and then when I was 18, we started dating. So it's 11 years now. 11 years. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> well, and to have that support system as yeah. well must be really powerful. It is. It is. And, you know, he's always there when things get really tough. He's always there to remind me that, you know, what we're doing is, which I, it's funny, I, I shouldn't need it, but what we're doing is is so incredible and he's so proud of like the both of us it's really beautiful as well both of our partners are i'm like pointing to laura yeah <laughs> laura's in me the today. background everyone <laughs> um but you know both our partners are close too now which is which That's is nice, nice because they both have that um you know they can relate to us basically being a married couple yeah. with the amount of time we spend together <laughs> work to life yeah and what about because obviously you're in london at the moment yeah. and homes australia like yeah. how do you manage the travel and all that mm. kind of stuff is that tricky travel's only really just picked up for us Lizzie, even in interstate and stuff like that it's it's kind of only really just getting back to normal now post-covid um but i think just because we love touching base with the community and seeing them so much it's so fulfilling that it's all it's all worth it in the end and that's not to say that this tra trip's been hard but we're keeping busy and I'm you know we're so lucky with things like FaceTime now that I'm calling him anytime my yeah. <laughs> heart's throbbing um, and like you say you have a connection to the yeah. UK because yeah your exactly and everything so. so I feel comfortable being here and um just so excited and and I think it's also I'm really lucky that he's at this age where time is not like he doesn't quite understand time. So he thinks I'm at work with Laura, which is great because we, we are. are, we are. But he doesn't quite understand that I'm not going to be there for two weeks because he doesn't know what weeks are. So he'll just see me when I get home and it's like, oh, mum's here. Yeah. Um, whereas I think if he was a little bit older, it might have been a little bit harder. And, and I know that time will come too and that'll be another thing we navigate. But 
No, I feel like we're so fortunate to be able to do what we do and fortunate to be able to travel again. It was something that I loved about the modeling industry and my opportunities that I got to travel the world. That was a huge part of why I loved doing it. So being able to do that for kick is just awesome. Dream. Yeah. And finally, I have to ask you because I... I do feel you are probably going through your Saturn return. Do you think that there's like any, do you think there's been anything that's happened or you feel like massive shifts in life at the moment? Because it, it sounds like you've got everything pretty solid. So for, <laughs> for some people, it can just mean a sort of solidifying of mm. things that have been in motion for a while. Do you feel mm. like we're in a really good place or that things are changing a lot? I do. I feel like I'm, I know I'm probably going to say this when I'm, you know, 35, 45, 50, but I I know myself very, very well now. I feel like I've had, I've lived a few different experiences that have taught me a lot about myself and I'm finally at this like page, I think, in my chapter um, that I'm really, really comfortable with who I am as a person and the direction that we're going with what we want to do with kick, I feel really, really good about and really passionate about and I think I'm just really, really lucky that at the moment we've got so much drive and ambition and my biggest driver actually is getting to a point where we truly feel like we've helped even more and more more people and can still be in touch with them and everything like that, but also get to a point of contentment, I think. And I find elements of that within my life outside of work because right now we're we're very driven and we're very excited about growth right now. So outside of work, I try and find just being content and not being crazy busy or wanting the next best thing or whatever it's just finding happiness and peace outside of work as much as I can and I think when that can also be like holistically I think that's what I'm driving towards as well it'd be awesome I think that's so important because when people get too caught up in the work stuff of yeah whilst it's valid to have goals and dreams and things we're working towards if it's outweighing the moments of yeah you gotta acknowledge where you are yeah yeah exactly it can it could be detrimental so I've loved this conversation. It's oh, really thanks. inspired me. <laughs> and I know our community is going to love, you know, discovering you if they haven't heard about you before you. and the company. And congratulations for everything that you guys are building. I think it's really exciting. Thank you. Thanks so, so much. Thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to this conversation between myself and Steph. I hope that you enjoyed it. And like I said at the beginning, it was so lovely to to meet her and uh, have that FaceTime and hear about everything that they've been up to. We put a link in the show notes to their app if you guys are interested in exploring that a little bit. And this is the final episode from the season. So, oh, it's been an emotional one, but we're taking a little break and then we will be back in full force in 2024. I cannot believe that I'm saying that. This year has gone by in a flash. But we've got plenty of exciting projects in the pipeline. I cannot wait for you guys to hear about them. So I'm sending lots of love wherever you are. And thank you so much for your continued support of the show. As always, it's a nice reminder that if you guys feel like sharing it with someone, I'm sure you have already. Or just putting it up on Instagram, wherever you're listening, whether it's during your walk or your evening bath. I always love to hear where you guys are tuning in from. So thanks again for everything and sending lots of love. And as always, remember, you're not alone. Goodbye. Goodbye.